You are listening to Primal Radio, the podcast dedicated to combat sports, martial arts, self-defense, and the warrior mindset. And here are your hosts from Hamilton, New Jersey, Jim McCann, and London, England, Tom McGrath. I'm Jim McCann, and you're listening to Primal Radio, and I'm with my two lovely and talented co-hosts, the Alana and Tom McGrath. Guys, how are you? Delighted to be here. Delighted to be here. Yeah, yeah. yeah very good. I'm very good. Yeah, well, I'm not. Look, I'm not feeling 100 percent today. I don't know why. I've been like I've been killing it. You only work 23 hours. That's a day, it. You know? If there was more time, so I'm every day because of the show and all the stuff we have going on. I'm going from about 4 a.m. I get up 3:30 into gym by four, and I'm going to about 10 o'clock at night. And uh, the other night, at whatever, after I got home, did whatever I had to do. Eight through laundry and whatever, and I look, you know, set my alarm on my phone, and it says your alarm is set to go off in three hours and twenty minutes. <laughs> I'm going, what? I didn't need to know that information. I was hoping I had five hours or some shit like that, but, but anyway, so I'm dragging ass today a little bit, but that's why I'm doubling up on the Monster Energy and the but, Vitamin C to get. Um, get but my Jim, shit the, back. the show must go on, right? Show, yeah. So yeah. So here's the story. So I'm on my I, like my it's snowing here again. Um, uh, apparently, uh, the word on the street is Donald Trump has solved uh, global warming, and uh, he's only been in office one year. Say in the Northeast, it's been brutally cold here. Sadly, and, nobody will appreciate because he will have right. you know invoked a spawn but off the that, face of the earth. Good. Um, yeah, it's, it's a but it's also. been ridiculous. Cold. Anyway, so there was a bunch of snow here this morning, so I had some early cancellations, which was fine because I wasn't feeling that great. Very seldom I don't feel that great. And then, um, so I called Tom uh, in the UK. And, you know, yeah. and I'm like, <coughs> Tom, I'm not sure I can make it in today. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> he's like, Jim, don't you realize who we have booked today on the show? We've got a big star, and the show must go on. I think you'll be okay. You sound fine. And I'm going, well, all right. So, so then, just so you know what a trooper I am. So I said, all right, we'll do it. So I, 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 uh, I let uh, Alana know, yeah, that we're, we're good to go, and I eat something, and then I go and I throw up, by the way. Uh, it was a super power chow because I almost vomited on my computer. <laughs> it just, I, and I very rarely, I don't know what happened all of a sudden, and then, you know, it's, uh, I don't know. Just for the record, um, I said, I think you should go with your instinct if, you know, if you don't feel up to up to par just you know we can we can do it another time I I d- but i did not realize that andy jansen so that's right i i was working with limited so, <laughs> so i'm glad that you, well, it's good that you did i this just couldn't believe it even crossed your mind to cancel the show oh, well, i got it coming i out thought of you were a, a hard man a tough I, uh, guy. well you know it got it coming out of both ends you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah the listeners will love that right so, uh, but <laughs> any, like any sweet corn in there? Like that, that visual, right? Well, I was just about to say, you know, you can create your very own visual of that. You can create your visual, but despite that, anyway. So, I, I got up, I, I, I did my hair and makeup, and uh, and I journeyed on over to the show. And I've been prepared ever since. But anyway, uh, let me cover a few things real quick before I get our our, our guest on. I got to promote this weekend is our big uh, primal promotions event. Uh, along with the WBF and the NFF Boxing. Uh, my fighter, Scrap, will be fighting Kevin Serrano for the 141-pound amateur world title, which my fighter, Scrap, holds that title, so he'll be defending it. Uh, we have like 19 fights, bo- bouts, boxing bouts, uh, from all different ages, from 10 years old up to maybe 30 years old. 
uh, right, a bunch of bunch of our fighters are making their debuts, and of course we have some elite boxers on there. Well, so it's a great show. So if you will be in the Trenton, Hamilton, New Jersey area, be sure to uh, get in contact with us and uh, come on out and uh, and see the show. You can get a hold of us at primalgymnj.com. You can call the gym at five eight four eight five zero zero. You can get tickets at the door. We have tickets on sale uh, already in advance for those who want to pick them up. Um, but anyway, so uh, that's going to be a pretty big gig this weekend. So I'll be swamped twenty four seven getting that stuff ready. What's that, Tom? Jim, uh, uh, Evan Holyfield's on the card, right? You, the, the, the other main right. main one. Do we do we think his dad might show up? Uh, as far as I know, I can neither confirm nor deny mm -hmm. that because of the fact that it's exciting. Uh, yeah, so right. yeah, and there'll be other local boxing celebrities. Are you coming to the show, Alana? Are you going to make? Yes, it I am. Of course, oh, right. of course, I wouldn't miss it for the world. Well, it's good because she, you know, she knows a lot of the fighters, and, and uh, you know. I saw that that triumph, you know. Right, right. Yeah, it's great. Good. Well, yeah. look, I'm glad you can make it out and spread the word throughout lovely Princeton, New Jersey. <laughs> oh, I certainly. Right, should. right. So, but anyway, all right. Um, I think that's all I essentially want to brought. I'm, I'll try to get my shit together here. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, tonight, by the way, Nick Portella, who was on our show a couple of weeks ago from NickPortellaMMA.com, will be at the Primal Gym interviewing a bunch of the fighters, and you'll see a bunch of write-ups on. On his blog about these up and coming fighters, uh, so uh, that's that's possible. He's given us a lot of great feedback and whatnot. But all right, Tom. Now, see, Tom has been booking our guests. He has done a phenomenal job. He's got a lot of interesting guys. Guys with good person. Look, you could be the most talented motherfucker in martial arts, and you're not a very good interviewer, or you might not even be a very good teacher. Imagine that. And uh, so, uh, so this is radio, <laughs> but Tom's got, <laughs> so we need to talk. So Tom's done a real good job of this and, and he's got this connection with this, um, uh, martial arts, uh, and, uh, I'll let you do the honors. Yeah. So, so, um, the gentleman who's joined me in our London studio, mm. uh, is, is uh, a very good friend of mine. Um, we, we met through, uh, rapid Arnest, which you, you know, I'm kind of studying towards being an instructor in one of these days. Right. Um, uh, the gentleman sat, sat to my left. He's a senior black belt in RA, uh, third degree. Um, he's trained a whole load of other stuff, uh, jujitsu, uh, dochi Paris and, uh, Krav Maga, for which he's, he's also an instructor. Um, we, me and him really kind of hit it off, uh, from day one, just cause we had a lot of mutual interests. I mean, like, like, uh, picture John Wick stuff, I think is what I've said in the past, but, um, <laughs> yeah, martial arts, combatives training. Um, he's done a lot of bodyguard work, security work, surveillance. Um, he's, he's trained the likes of bodyguards and some military stuff. And um, we both share an interest in firearms. And we, we've um, done a few trips together. He's got strong views on stuff. Um, and, and that's why I really wanted to have him on the show. And he's a very intelligent and well thought out martial artist. Um, uh, I'd like to welcome to the show Andy, Andy Jansen. Andy. Yes, welcome. <laughs> you know, this is much better than, you know, I was saying, hey, why don't we get somebody who's really inarticulate, mediocre, and not very exciting? And the guys were like, no, I, I don't think it'll go well. So I'm glad that we found somebody who's quite the reverse. <laughs> what sure an you ass kisser. Very, very mediocre. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, your reputation precedes you. It does. Um, because oh, when Pat O'Malley was on, I, I asked the question. I was like, you know, so do you have, you know, those students where – you know, either positive or negative, that student remains like indelibly marked in your mind. You cannot forget them, because you know I, I taught a bit, um, yeah. 
but they were all ruined. They were college students. Yeah. They're hopeless. But, but anyway, um, I asked him and he said, no, but then about two minutes later, he started talking a lot about you. That she's referring to Pat O'Malley. That's yeah, One that's right. Sorry, sorry. Oh, yeah, 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 Pat O'Malley. yeah, that guy. <laughs> Thank you. So, so, so when you started training with Pat, was that your first time you trained martial arts? And and he he used these words. He said you were very cocky. <laughs> well, you, yeah, is that just a vicious no, rumor or is it the truth? <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I, I started martial arts uh, actually quite a long time before I uh, before I met Pat. Yeah. Um, so I was uh, I was training. Well, I mean, you know, from mid teens, but but really, you don't start training proper martial arts until you're right. uh, until you're over the age of eighteen, where you're actually you know sparring with and training with uh, grown adults. Right. Um, so yeah, so I, I started then, and I think I met, probably met Pat when I was around about twenty one, twenty two years old. Uh-huh. So yeah, I've done a few a few years before that uh, training in uh, training in jujitsu. Um, I'd also um, um, trained in uh, Nippon Kenpo as well. Um, so mostly mostly um, a, a good balance of uh, striking and grappling stuff. Um, and then yeah, I was uh, I really really caught the bug for the uh, for the weapons work. Um, started training with a guy in London um, who uh, who was doing rapid harness. Um, after a few years, found out that he wasn't uh, he wasn't all he was cracked up to be. Um, and uh, yeah, eventually went on to um, training under Pat directly. Nice, okay. nice. Um, yeah, so I've done that before in the past too. You know, you train with a guy, and they uh, you don't know any better, and then all of a sudden you come right. You come to learn that it wasn't they weren't all. They said they were to be, and then you know, like, is that, that was that like a letdown? Like, oh, did you feel like you were betrayed, or did you? Yeah, it, it's a funny thing, Jim. I, I think that there's, um, it, it's quite a common thing to happen in the martial arts. So I, I oh, certainly get a lot of yeah. students who, to me who've trained under somebody, and, and they they buy into a lot of the marketing blurb, especially when you're right. a, a young man who wants to get to get out there on the scene and kind of you know uh, define himself. Uh, you naturally gravitate towards uh, strong role models, and if somebody portrays themselves to be a certain way, uh, that can be that can be very attractive. People buy into that very readily. Right. Um, I, th- I think a lot of experienced martial artists have, unfortunately, gone through that. Um, I suppose it's a milestone in a in a, in a manner of speaking um, of, of putting their trust into somebody who who turned out actually not to be everything they said they were. You know? Right. No. Absolutely. Um, well, actually, I have a question to follow up on that. Um, you know, because obviously the reels from the phonies is something that's always in life difficult, but in martial arts particularly so, because I think that a lot of the you know what is excellence, it's difficult to define, right? Oh, um, absolutely. So, you know, yeah. so so I just um, I just wonder like, how do you like, you know, I I thankfully met. Jim, or else I, I would still be. I'm not going to give any names. And in fact, um, oh, you can give. Them. Yeah, well, no. Um, but anyway, I, I guess that there was something, something that happened in the in about um, certified instructors in Taekwondo here, right? I think, and so then suddenly everybody could call themselves a Muay Thai teacher. Oh yeah. And yeah. so yeah, so I and that's I that was that I really wanted to start with it. Muay Thai for the striking. I, I mean, I was really, really interested. I made a study of it. I went to like diff, you know different classes for Taekwondo. No, karate. I was like, no, 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 no. So I found the one Muay Thai place, and it was like half an hour from where I lived. Driving back home at night, it was like deer and darkness and hills, and it was like I was in a Hitchcock film. Like you know, I was. It was expensive as hell, you know. But but so, it, and it wasn't that. 
inspiring or wonderful. And, you know, I just, but, but okay, we're going with that. I even, I even talked to the instructor. I was like, hey, is there, are, there, are there drills? I know there's not really a belt system in this, but, and he just didn't respond really. Um, and then let me just, long story short, um, I, I mentioned. Yeah, what's the question and I'm getting there. I'm getting there. This is an anecdote first. It's a beautiful story, Tom. Yeah, yeah, right. I'm getting an anecdote first. So then I met Jim. And he interview you next. No, no, no. I'll be, I'll be very, I'll be very quick. Thank you. That's very subtle. Um, no, no. So anyway, I met Jim and I was like, oh man, not only is this motherfucker in this other place, um, a fraud, but he's not even teaching Muay Thai. It's almost Dutch boxing. Yeah. But not quite even oh, that, yeah. Yeah. you know. <laughs> so, like, you know, I, I mean, I got, I lucked out. But so, what I was going to say is, for most people, by and large, how do you think, like, do th- how do they have a prayer of finding the genuine and legit, especially in martial arts where the the rules are not necessarily so clear, and each each discipline has, by virtue of its history, its own kind of, you know, where does where does validity lie? Where does where does actual mastery lie? You know, that's very clearly de- defined, but also very specific to each. Well, you know, I mean, uh, this is this is probably one of the biggest problems um, mm-hmm. about uh, the martial arts industry in general is that there is no uh, kind of agreed upon testing metric. Um, there's no agreed upon metric period for for what constitutes an expert. Um, it is very easy to go online, uh, get a few choice articles, look at a few choice YouTube videos and drop in some choice terminology. Um, and it's very easy to persuade somebody, in fact, that you are an expert in something. Um, it is very easy to put, to exaggerate one's own CV um, to the point where, um, you know, it, it would be almost offensive uh, to question that person right. on, on the merits of their CV. Um, and it is very easy to do that without right, any further party to investigate any of any any individuals um one uh, one can do that remarkably easy um and i think this is why it's important for students uh, generally to to have their critical thinking reinforced by genuine people in the martial arts we should be saying to them look guys look for the red flags um don't assume that this person is all-knowing, all-powerful. Look around, shop around. You know the, the evidence is out there, and be be critical all the time. Be critical of your uh, tutors. Be critical of yourselves. Uh, be be critical of your sources. Um, and to be honest, if if something uh, really, if something looks too good to be true, then it probably is. That would be an immediate red flag for me. Is if if you looked at this person and they were utterly perfect in every every single way. You know, that, that would say to me that either the source itself was compromised or the person looking at the source uh, right. was compromised, for sure. Right. That's, that's, uh, then that brings up the follow-up question. So, so there's on, on that side, you've got the frauds and how to avoid, you know, how to, how to find them or perceive them. And then the other is the martial arts that have purity becoming something of almost like a cultish thing that you're, you know, an idolatry of the purity of whatever martial art it might be. And um, an almost, uh, well, you know, a pissing match between between various martial arts. Well, well, you know, that's really not how you do a roundhouse. That's you know, actually, let me define it for you this way. You know, so oh, that's yeah, the other. That's the flip side of it. For for you know, for on the knowledge side, um, do you think that that's a problem for martial arts in general, or? Um, well, the uh, the kind of the nitpicking keyboard warrior kind of uh, kind of scene. Um, yeah, I think I, th- I think it is. Um, 
but I think that that is um, that is a direct result of the available technology and advances in communications mm. that are available to us. Uh, things like social media and so on. Everybody can chime in with an opinion, uh, regardless yeah. of how valid that opinion that opinion is. Um, and as a result, we, you do end up in these very, uh, I suppose, almost pedantic uh, kind of uh, technical debates. Um, I think that the I think that the main thing to look at at the end of the day is results. Um, right. Anyone and everyone can can argue a, uh, a hypothesis. Mm -hmm. Anyone and everyone can pick holes in things. But until you've got um, until you've got um, a, a base of results, you can't, with any certainty, say that your opinion is correct. You know, yeah. um, I know I know that a lot of people. I, I, one, of, one of the things um, uh, that I'm really big on is uh, is learning how to uh, haymaker someone really hard. Um, now, martial artists will all, will all agree that you know the haymaker. Surely that's you know it's a big obvious punch um you know we, why why would you be teaching someone how to do a haymaker better and and the thing is is that actually um smacking someone really hard in the head is historically proven to be quite effective it has a pretty yeah. good uh, rate of return yeah, i have sources, you know, I have sources yeah. to back that up in fact yes yeah, yeah as, mm -hmm. as opposed to things like i don't know triangle chokes or or gun disarms it's not to say that it's never happened um, no, but course. it's certainly to say that there is there is some evidence there and also if if you can't do that bit right, then teaching right. anything more advanced straight away, you know, I, I know guys who've walked into their first class um, and instantly they've started learning knife defense. Right. And so they do yeah. half an hour of knife defense, and they go out into the street thinking that they can now defend against a knife. And you're like, well, yeah, but can you punch a man in the face? Right. Yeah, to your point, well, actually, <laughs> well, to, to your point, actually, um, I think that the source is called Beowulf. Also, also, we get, you know, lots of things like Shakespeare to, to say that, you know, historically, if you hit somebody, something really hard in the face, you're, you might well win. But they didn't have much specifics in Beowulf or any of those about like, well, if you take this out and you do it this way and, you know, you get the arm the right way and you pull on this, you know, this area of the clothing. So I buy it. <laughs> I buy it. I buy it. Well, no, no. It's just, it's just you mentioned I, I social think, media. I think so. that, um, I think that certainly, um, as I've as I've gained more experience in in martial arts, um, and certainly um, being involved in the security industry as well, right. um, turns you into a bit of a cynic um, right. in many ways. Um, I, I like to think of myself more as a pragmatist than a cynic. <laughs> um, but um, but yeah, certainly, I, th I think that. We, the, one of the big things about martial arts in today's day and age is that the priority uh, is commercialization, mm -hmm. big time. Um, and um, anyone who doesn't believe that that's a priority in their system, well, I think, I think to a degree they're kidding themselves. There has to be some kind of a balance, unfortunately nowadays, right. between delivering best practice and delivering practice that is palatable uh, to your audience. Um, and so that's, that's always going to water it down slightly. Um, I think that despite what people say, based on what people do, I'd say that there is an extremely small market for people who actually want to learn how to fight <laughs> um, I'd say there's an extremely large market of people who like the fantasy of being able to fight, but don't ever really want to test right. themselves. So they want to be, they want to be perceived as being a good fighter. They don't necessarily want to be a good fighter. A big or difference. they want to be somebody in a movie that the, right. in, that's playing in their head. Essentially. On, on, yeah. on that point, Sorry. Andy, you, you told me once that, um, 
you did a cull of your class in class, <laughs> and he got it got Every rid year. of yeah, it got year. rid of about a third of his students. Oh, what? Um, I didn't hear you. Sorry. Because he felt they weren't good enough. Now that is not a commercial decision. <laughs> no, he's not. No, they never would be good. That enough. would be no, a, yeah. well, it's a delicate I, balance. I, I, I humbly disagree. In a in a way, in a way, it is. I may have misquoted you there, so please, please no, fill yeah. us in and tell us. You're on, you're on the tracks. So every every year, um, around about the beginning of October, uh, we have a huge influx of students. I teach I teach at the university, um, the the old university I went to, and um, there are you always find them in the in the freshers' fairs and so on. Guys who are interested in joining these classes and everything, and you, and you say to them, look. You know, what's what's your primary motivation? You tell them a bit about the class. Um, you interview them a little bit, and of course, you know they they turn up. Um, and every year, you you have a group of people who don't really want to learn. They want to be there to um, persuade other people in the class that they can, you know, they can have a scrap, or you know, persuade other people outside of the class that they're pretty handy. But really, they don't want to knuckle down and do the necessary work at the necessary rate to the necessary volume um, that, that it takes to, uh, to to really make the most of their program. On the other hand, you end up with people who are um, very softly spoken, who actually you know trust in the process, who knuckle down and really throw themselves into it 200%. And to be honest, when there is an abundance of people just trying to fake it, it, um, it ruins the standard of the class generally. Yeah, and I'd like to say as an instructor, I have the power to, uh, to overcome that. But it's true. If you have a room full of people who are, um, who, are, who are fantasists, for lack of a better word, and aren't really engaging with the material and aren't really engaging with where that material comes from, then you do inevitably end up with a class full of fantasists. And then as you open up new classes, more classes full of fantasists. Um, and, and <laughs> so basically an abundance of mediocrity yeah. basically sows and, just a lot of yeah, mediocrity. I, mean, and I, I think that there is actually a very good commercial argument for, um, for being um, uncompromising with the minimum standards in that class. Mm-hmm. And if people fail to reach that minimum standard, you do, as an instructor, you do everything you can to help them reach that standard. But if they turn around and say, I'm sorry, but this class is just too tough for me, I don't like the I don't like the humour you have. I don't like the lingo you use. I don't like the fact that we spar twice okay. twice a month. I don't I don't like any of that. Well, then you've got to say to them, I'm sorry, but maybe this isn't the right class for you. Then maybe you know. So just just to elaborate on that. So how? So, so let's say there's a student there. They're kind of you know they're, they're messing around slightly, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, you, you know they haven't got the balls for fighting. They might even be a good kid, but how would you sort of break it to them or weed them out of your class? Well, this is this is where a bit of instructor cunning comes in, Tom. Um, yes, on one hand, you could turn around to them and say, "Sorry, kid, but you're crap. Um, don't come back." And I think that that is not the way, <laughs> not the no. way to deal with things. Not very different. Um, you know, you, like I said, you, the, there would obviously be a period of time where you would try to encourage this person to better themselves to, to, to get with the program. But then, when um, it seems hopeless, and you know it, I think I think the most the most important thing is that you set objective measures of uh, capability, and you say to them, right. This is, you know, this is a measure of your performance now. This is a, um, this this is totally objective, and you you just let them go. You let them do their thing, mm-hmm. and you let them make their mind up, you know, uh, as to what is acceptable, what is not acceptable. You might even steer them. You might even say to them, look, you know, 
you, you threw you threw ten punches there, yeah. Pad holder, what were those punches like? Oh well, three of them were good, but seven of them were bad. Okay, so in which case you've now got a thirty percent success rate on your punches. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you can say that with reasonable objectivity. Obviously, there's still some subjectivity there from the pad hole, but but the main thing is they've got the other punches that guy is thrown to measure them against. So you can say, well, look, you know. Maybe, maybe you should work on getting 10 out of 10 before you start working towards your, you know, your, your job as, as a future Jason Bourne. At my gym, here's, so I originally started off with a super hardcore fight club. I started off in parks and in basements and wherever I could go. And I was me and my five buddies and we beat the shit out of each other. It was great. It became pretty well known. It was real hardcore. Now that I've delved into more of a commercial venue, here's my challenge as an artiste is that these guys or girls come into the class and some put everything they have into it. Like you said, they really enjoy it. They're there every, every minute of every day and give a hundred percent all the time. Then of course you have that percentage. And I don't know what that percentage is of those people who just kind of seem to go through the motion. You show them a technique. This, have you've done seminars, right, Andy? You've taught seminars? Yeah, okay, yeah, does, yeah. so here's, and, and Tom would be, uh, right? So I'd be somewhere and I'll show a technique. Uh, whatever it is, you're blocking a punch and you're, and you're throwing a punch, right? So very simple. And, and then all of a sudden you'll see there's like the people start to fade away. Instead of working the brilliance of that technique, that simplicity, right? That foundation, that basic technique, all of a sudden over in the corner you start to see them delving to some other ninja shit that they saw on YouTube, right? <laughs> right? And then you're going, okay, well, what are you doing? Well, we're working on this. Well, you don't, and then when I would go to them, well, let's see you do this technique. They don't even have that technique. So the obvious question is, why would you be moving on to this next thing? Um, and they just do it. It's, it's a lack of attention span or, or who knows. I just remember when I started doing it, when I trained with whoever it was, if they wanted me to do a jab cross hook, that's it. For the next hour, you know what I did was a jab cross hook. Matter of fact, just the other day, not to get a, 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 on, a, on the a pulpit here, I spent one hour. That's my rule, Jim. Nice. <laughs> was just throwing all the basic kicks and punches, right? I did basic ground moving, basic stick work, and basic uh, knife work. Just to move it. You know, an X slash, right? You know, a couple blocks. Real simple, slow motion, uh, mindful medi- moving meditation for one hour. I've been doing this for 45 fucking years. You'd think I know that stuff, but everything comes out those basics, which I learned you know, early on in my thing, the new yeah. fancy stuff that they want to do. And another thing that happens in seminars, by the way, is you always have that one guy who might, he might be a, a black belt in his you know, crazy kung fu stuff, whatever, and he's got his own agenda. He came to the seminar to check you out to make sure you know what yeah. you're doing. He paid yeah. you that 100 bucks, right? And you do your thing over here, and then they come over here. Andy, come over here. Well, you know, at my school, we like to do this. Boom, boom, and he'll show me that move, right? Now, early on when I was doing <laughs> seminars, right, it's completely <laughs> diametrically opposed Sorry, to what dude. the fuck I just showed, right? And I said, and, I, and, and early on when I would do seminars, I go, well, you know, try it this way, and you're trying to go, you know, trying to lead him down the path of righteousness here. And then what I do anymore, I go, well, does that work for you? And I go, yeah. And I go, well, that's what you need to do. And I give up on him because <laughs> I just don't give a fuck. <laughs> I, I just referenced this guy called Dave, Jim, who will um, listen to the show and he'll, he'll probably find this funny. But, he, but he's done a load of other um, FMA Filipino right. uh, systems. And it, when, whenever he comes to any, any of the RA events, you know, it's always a compare and contrast. Right. What the so, hell are you know, doing there? 
yeah, he admits from those other systems that he, you know, he hasn't got the fighting, and and he's come really to learn the fighting stuff from us. But yeah, it's uh, oh, he's getting there. Yeah, so, so I mean, Dave. Uh, Dave is actually quite a good, uh, quite a good t- case study. Sorry, Dave. Uh, <laughs> uh, be sitting, we're we're sitting, outing you this right now. Hopefully, yeah. God, nobody we won't <laughs> reference his surname. Yeah. But but Dave Dave is a really good case study because actually Dave's Dave's position is a uh, is a position that I I commonly um, come across um, perhaps not with Dave's special brand of charisma but um, certainly it's right. a, it's a frequent occurrence um, and here you have somebody who uh, really cares about what they do they're really into their martial art um, and they've studied it for many years they've achieved a black belt in it they've um, you know they they've studied it academically as well um, historically they're clued up. Um, and they've they've forgotten about the fighting aspect of it, and all of a sudden now they've they've been hit with this kind of overwhelming urgency to uh, to learn it. They've realised that oh my god, here I am learning essentially um, learning the textbook as opposed to getting out there and, and doing it. It's a it's a um, it is a practical skill. Um, so really, I should be getting out there and applying it. And of course, they they you know they're overcome with this with this urgency to do it. Um, I think today's today's credit. Um, I remember when he first started getting into the full contact sparring and everything we did. Um, actually, we were fairly, I suppose, in a way, we're fairly unique at our club in that it could be your first time there, and if it's sparring day, you'll get out there and spar. Now, you might do light sparring, you might do instructional sparring, you might do free sparring, full contact. Um, but if it's sparring day, you're sparring, you know. And and Dave, uh, Dave, to his credit. Uh, trusted the process, knuckled down, um, and and got in there. And, and funnily enough, the more he's exposed to it, um, the better he gets at it. And um, and actually, he's had very little in the way of formal training uh, for sparring in terms of talking about uh, tactics and strategies he can use. Um, it, you know, there's, there's, that's been really uh, fairly minimal. But what he has learned is just to get in there and find your way right. and that's that's a kind of a, a an old school i suppose way of, of looking at it but then certainly we do have a, a new school approach to the uh, to the instructional models and the uh, and the sparring models that we use to uh, to enhance certain um to well zoom in on on certain aspects of his uh, of his game yeah i think to 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 this guy's credit you know as, as andy said he's already got a black belt in an fma uh, system so to, to to still have the desire to push on and learn more fighting things, right. you know, uh, shows what a great guy he is. So if you're listening, Dave, we love you, mate. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and and I'm completely go go ahead. No, you know you're doing. You know, Tom was gesturing. That's important. Well, I, I was gonna I was gonna sort of ch- change the subject slightly. <laughs> wait, no, no, wait. I have to I have to ask this question. Then. Yeah, go on, I, go on, I, go on. I can do it fast. Okay, so yeah. Andy, so I have a question here. So go. what do you do with the student? who is really passionate about the learning, who is just really, you know, A plus, I, I want the book, I want the real, you know, th- that embodiment of that ideal student, and they have absolutely no aptitude. Like, they might hit their head on the way in and misjudge their girth on the way out, because not, not because of weight, just they're like that. What do you do with do you, that kid? No, I've, 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 I've had uh, students who um, <laughs> they come into class, they're an absolute walking calamity on their way to class right. and afterwards, you know, the kind of people who get their head trapped in a tube door or <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. bending over to, to, you know, tie their shoelace. Um, you know, the, 
I've had people like that, but then strangely, um, when they are getting in there, when they are um, sparring, when they are applying themselves, actually they're an absolute genius. I've, I've got I've, there is one guy immediately who springs to mind. I won't I won't say his name. Why not? You've outed everyone else. <laughs> he, he is he is one of the most physically awkward and malcoordinated individuals I've ever met. Yeah. But you put him, um, you put some gloves on him. Absolute genius. You wow. put you put a helmet and a stick in his hand. Um, absolute genius you know um it is very rare i would say that you meet somebody who is who has got the energy and the enthusiasm and the drive to better themselves constantly who can't get anywhere i I think that i think that certainly certainly in my experience if a person has got the energy and invests themselves and uses their time wisely then actually they can't help but improve their performance um where that has gone wrong in the past certainly Mm -hmm. Um, and this is something, again, going back to social media and, and, and communications and so on. Um, we had one student who was very much into it, but outside of class, he would distract himself by constantly looking at YouTube videos, yeah. um, constantly dabbling and being a bit of a tourist through, through different systems and everything, trying to find the perfect combination of stuff. And all he was getting was a huge accumulation of stuff. So he was coming back after, well, after about a year and a half of training with us, almost two years of training with us. He was still struggling with the drills that we were doing with day one students. Um, And he just couldn't memorize anything. Because he was all over the place. He was constantly overwriting it with other material from random sources. So that's quite quite an interesting point about the sort of the martial arts tourist who likes to go and dip I like that term. I've never heard that term. It's brilliant. I'm going to steal it. I really, I'd never. Yeah, I was going to go with masturbatory. That's much better. (laughs) Hang on. Because I want to say this So when you were saying you hardly can't, you've never come upon a student who didn't have the passion. Here's my experience. And I may have, I haven't shared this on the air, but I was doing a seminar down in Washington D.C. with the late uh, great R.J. Oak and, and my buddy Kevin Beal, uh, and uh, I, whatever we were doing, and we had these uh, two guys come down from New York, and I don't know why they didn't come to see me. I'm, I'm like five minutes from them, but they drove all the way down to D.C. to do the seminar, and I got to tell you, they did not have an athletic bone in their body. Uh, every <laughs> punch, everything they did was terrible. And my thought is, there's no chance these guys, I mean, should ever be in a fight. So I go over and, and um, with an, I, I don't want to mention it, anyone says, I go over to a person, I go, God damn, these guys, these guys just don't have an athletic bone in their body. And I said, matter of fact, the only way they'd have an athletic bone in their body is if I fucked them. <laughs> so, so. <laughs> I mean, there was just no chance. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I know that wasn't very martial arts, but it, the thought was funny. So yeah, you, you, you can take the tourist line and then uh, keep the tourist Andy line. Can use that one. Yeah. You can use that one. I mean, there was just no hope. I don't know about you, Jim, but exactly. you're way more disgusting. Than well, I was, I was going to say that somebody got the short end of the stick, and I was like, nah, great... I'm just going to leave this and hope that it dissipates. Yeah, yeah. Now, look, this is a talk show. <laughs> Imagine I've, if we were drinking Guinness all this was going on. Sneezing right. <laughs> so, so, so I, I was going to say about, um, I was saying about the, the dipping the toe in lots of different systems, right. you know, never completing a system. What, what's your view on that, Andy? You know, yeah, you know, I, I think that I think that ultimately um, there, there is certainly a big a big tourist market, and if you look at the uh, seminar circuit, especially, um, you know, there there are guys there are. All, I mean, the combatives industry is terrible for it. 
Um, there are guys who are always looking to find something new to impress their audience with. You know, that's why all of a sudden you had a, it, it goes through phases. Yeah. All of a sudden you had all these guys who suddenly started teaching Tomahawk stuff and, and, you know, yeah. and all that. And, and you're thinking, well, what in your life would have ever kind of, you know, where the hell would you have ever a learned this and b applied this? Yeah, you know, what, yeah. why, why is it even what? a thing? Right. Um, you know, and, and people go, people go through this. And you know what? Fair enough. There is, there is an entertainment aspect to martial right. arts that we, we can't deny. You know, mm-hmm. um, and don't get me wrong. I've, I've been hired to do um, workshops and seminars, seminars where people, people say to me, "Oh yeah, you know, can you, can you teach some gun disarms? You know, and stuff like that." And as, as much as it grates on me, in the past I have done that. Nowadays, nowadays that I'm, you know, I've established my reputation, and everything. I don't have the need so to much to do that anymore. Um, and actually, I realise now, looking back on it, that that kind of um, bullshit was really not what I wanted to build my career on in the first place. So, so to, to a degree, I've had to kind of admit my failings of the past and say, well, actually, I sold out there, um, and you know, and, and and let's crack on with something better. Um, I think that with regards with regards to the tourist aspect, I think that a lot of it is down to um, the fundamental. Um, mindset that is that is cultivated within within classes, um, and I think that that tourism that tourist aspect to a degree is actually rife with uh, with a lot of martial arts classes, um, specifically martial arts classes that take everything from everywhere and have no actual testing and feedback process um, mm. for, for their students. Um, I'm not going to mention Krav Maga because that would be that would be unprofessional. Um, I was going to ask if you had say, any any martial arts that suffered particularly. As an instructor in, in, in that industry, there's certainly a lot of it there. Um, oh, the right. I imagine there's a lot of it in, in, in a lot of other other systems as well. Um, I think also there there should be an emphasis really on how a student spends their time. Um, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, one of the common questions that I receive is how often, how much should I practice every day? Um, or every week or so on. Um, and I, I usually say to a person, I say, right, you are to do no more than five minutes practice a day. And that's a bit of an odd thing to say. I say right. to you, right, you've got to max out of five minutes. You set your timer, you run your drills, and then at the end of five minutes, when that timer goes off, you stop. You're not allowed to continue. You're not even allowed to finish the drill that you're on, whatever. You stop. And you are not allowed to pick up that stick or to, to crack on with those drills again until the next day. Right mm-hmm. now, for, that was something that I, I started. Um, I started emphasizing from a, from from actually quite a, a quite early uh, stage as an instructor, and it's something that I find works really really well because for that five minutes, that student is working like a madman to try and get through their drills, to try and do those drills as well as possible. When they get it wrong, when they fudge it, or when they waste time, it bothers them, it upsets them. When they get a text message in the middle of it, it they, they, they ignore the text message, they need, to, they need to crack on with it. And then, at the end of that five minutes, they spend the rest of their day thinking about how they're going to spend the next five minutes. And to train like you're on a budget, I think is a, is a really mm. healthy way to train. You look at these guys, they go to the gym, three hours they're there, you know, they're, they're, they're looking at their, um, their, you know, they're updating their, their right. Twitter account. They're checking their Facebook. Selfies. They're taking, yeah, taking gym selfies and all the rest of it. They, they take 15 <laughs> minutes between sets. Right. You know, um, and, and those guys, those guys are wasting time because out of that, out of that three hours, they're lucky if they get half an hour of actual work. Yeah, I was thinking you know? 37 minutes, but yeah, yeah. There yeah. You go. <laughs> if, imagine if you went to the gym and the guy at the counter said to you, right, 
your half an hour begins now. Now, right? right? <laughs> and at the end of that 30 minutes, if you weren't out of the gym, then the the security would come and they would wrestle you out of the gym. They'd literally they literally manhandle you out of the gym, kick you out, and you wouldn't be allowed in for another 24 hours. Right? Mm-hmm. Now, as extreme as that may sound, and bear in mind, I I, I don't run a gym. Obviously, you know, yeah. that, that wouldn't go down well as a commercial <laughs> one. Um, You'd but, be out um, of business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As, as flawed as that is. Yeah. I think that if there is that sense of urgency, then people will prioritize the stuff that really needs to be prioritized. And right. people will engage much better um, with the, um, you know, with the material that they're working on. I think that that is quite a healthy thing. Um, and I think that, that that is something that maybe more instructors could do with, with reinforcing. You know, if you want to get good at stuff then you've really got to care about how you spend your time, you know? Right. I have a follow-up question. Actually, I lie. It's kind of unrelated. So, um, <laughs> so first of all, you know, we we're talking about the tourist element, which, like I said, I was going to say masturbatory, but tourist is nicer. Um, <laughs> but you also mentioned social media, right? And yep. I, I think that it's an unfortunate pairing between this onslaught of information, so to speak, or various you know, depictions of whatever, um, and people becoming, and I say this from the standpoint of an academic and, you know, like trying to inculcate, um, critical thinking skills, they're less and less capable of critically or analytically approaching anything or making any kind of decision. They're like, okay, okay, whatever, whatever that bias is, I'll buy it. Okay. Got it. Yes. So when you need that skill more than ever, it's like, you know, dissipating. So on the one hand, you've got that, right? So on the Mm -hmm. other, um, and then on the other, you've got the material itself and that idea of the, the fantasy version of things. So you've got, the, you've got the counterfeit and then you've got the fantasy version of things. Be- and when I say that, I mean like movies, the, the very things that are often the gateway drug in the best kind of way. Um, you know, so, so what I was wondering is, I know we've talked a bit about the um, negative aspects of, of you know, people wanting to you know, inhabit the fantasy and never leave it. Um, so do you think that there's a any virtue to say to um to the for example you know to some kind of uh like movie depiction of something that suddenly brings a martial art into the public eye in a way that is that is positive oh for sure for sure and can you track those on good um, examples like yeah, I think you know what I think that movies and video games and things as a, as a gateway drug into into something else aren't aren't necessarily um, a bad thing. But I think that the question is is what happens after that person has come into the dojo or, or, or whatever, and they you know, and they actually begin their their course of training. Um, I'm I am the first to hold up my hands and say that there are skills and um, excursions um, that I that I train and go on um, that are done for no other reason than my own personal pleasure, just because it's cool. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. Because um, I have a desire to use them on a um, you know in a, in, a, in a practical way in a real life scenario. Um, and so and so, yeah, you know, I've, I've, I've definitely done the tourist thing and I do enjoy the tourist thing. You know, I'll, I'll go to um, the odd seminar or workshop that is completely outside my um, area of focus um, and isn't operationally relevant, isn't uh, relevant to my role as instructor. But I'll just go there for no other reason than, than curiosity, you know. Yeah. Uh, no, you have to do the tourist so- thing to a bit, to an extent, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, every, everybody can can survive on um, on on cod and broccoli, but you know, do, would you want to for the rest of your life? Um, you know, we we all we all consume things that aren't necessarily good for us. 
Um, but at the same time, we've we've got to be real with ourselves and say, well, look, I can't live on McFlurries for the rest of my life, you know. Um, and, and I think that there, there's got to be that balance there. Um, I you think did that, try for a while, there, didn't you? I did, I did. Um, <laughs> to no avail. Oh, to no yeah. avail. After oh. my second week, um, <laughs> I ended up in hospital, and it was all, it was all very massive. Um, <laughs> now, I, I, I think that there are um, there is a responsibility for instructors to temper that side of things mm-hmm. rather than kind of uh, rather than promoting it beyond all belief I, I I'm, I'm brought back to a uh, to a poster for a uh, for a self-defense workshop that I saw uh, whilst uh, whilst visiting a, a, a colleague of mine another rapid artist guy um, well, I suppose if you could call him that um, and I was, I was looking at this poster and, and one of the things on this poster was um, learn to win a street fight without ever getting hit and I thought to myself, well, <laughs> Good luck you know that. what? Yeah, I punch the fucker this. first. There you go and run. Exactly. So you're, you're telling me that this, this scared newbie who's going to show up for their first ever workshop, you know, maybe their mate's doing a class where they've invited yeah. you in, come and do the workshop, and, and within a few hours, you can go from zero to hero. You are now literally, according to your marketing blog, untouchable. Yes. They have a vaccine for it, too. You can just inject it. There are fighters who still struggle. <laughs> Not to get touched in the ring. Yeah. Well, yeah, I came right. out a bit wrong. But, you know, you get the general idea. And I think that there is definitely a responsibility for instructors to, to well, to behave with a bit more integrity, to behave with a bit more honesty. Yeah. Well, have you seen uh, that YouTube video where I, I think it's a couple of Asian guys and, um, and uh, they're about to fight and the one guy takes off his pants and chases the guy down the road. Have you seen this <laughs> one? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so yeah. It, it could be true. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, possible. Well, possible. you know, my, I was going to say, my question when we're talking is, about integrity oh, sorry, okay. of, of, of a system and, um, you know, standards, so I, I want to talk talk a bit about standards. It's something I have strong views on and, and a reason why I joined the, the, the Arnest stuff. You know, some some systems, they'll be going around and they'll they'll give out, you host, you host the instructor and they'll give out an instructor certificate sure. for that. Business. And, you know, if, if I take, if I take you, Andy, you've got, say, someone like Pat, who, who's going to hold you to account, he's the real deal. Um, it's, it, martial arts in general, it's, it's easy to create, and I might be going oh, back on where we were before, an illusion of something. Um, you know, the oh, standards absolutely. can be so wide-ranging. We all know BJJ, black belts are incredibly high standard. But other systems, it's like you might be able to kick their are Some forms of karate, it you know, can be a bit of a joke. What do you think of that, mate? <laughs> um do you know what I, I think? I think that um, I know it's a bit of a cop out answer, but I think it very much comes down to the individual, um, and individuals are shaped by the culture that they're in. Um, it's not anything to do with a particular fighting system, or in fact the pedigree of that fighting system. It is very much to do with the culture um, in which that person has been uh, has, has been brought up, in which they've developed their their perception, their skills. Um, you know what, what you were saying about certificates and so on. Um, certificates really don't mean anything. Um, in, in in our class, for example, we we never wear our belts. Never wear our belts. Uh, we only really talk about our grades um, when we're when we're having a bit of banter. Um, but they don't they don't come up as any serious kind of measure of how handy a person is in a fight. Uh, just what technical grade they've achieved. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, I know a guy who um, actually still know him. Um, he went to a kapap workshop a two-day workshop yeah um, and it was an instructor's workshop this guy had never done it before ever 
he actually turned up uh, with a friend of his who was doing the course um, to take some photos there. Yeah. Now, the instructor knew that this guy had never done anything before, and yet at the end of the course, because the photographer had also been the host, he got given his instructor certificate. Mm. Now, Very this was somebody who had not even trained in the system, let alone reached a high level in the system, right. let alone reached a point where they could, they could give instruction to others. But they are technically qualified now as an instructor in that system. Um, now, it does not take a genius to work out how wrong that is. Right. Um, but it is remarkably easy to build a, um, a, a CV, a website, a presence, um, a social media profile, whatever, based on that. You know, uh, very recently, um, did, you know, viewing a uh, viewing a situation where a guy had turned up to a couple of private classes, he turned up to a couple of workshops, and he had literally taken. Everything the teacher had ever written in in public, he had literally taken all of the material from that uh, from those workshops, and he had built his own system mm-hmm. out of those. And now he's saying that he prepares people for violence, he prepares people for self defence. Later on, he went and joined the uh, joined the army reserves and the logistics corps as a uh, as a driver, um, in order to be able to tick that military box as well. You know, um, <laughs> right. you know, never deployed anything like that. Um, but that was, you know, and uh, that was his way of um, constructing, fabricating that, you know, that profile. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, the, I think the, the most dangerous thing in, in the martial arts industry is not people who clearly are fruit bat crazy. Because we see them all the time on the, you know, on comedy YouTube vids of guys waving their arms around like they're like they're having a seizure. Um, but for me, the, the the major threat in martial arts is the guys who are able to portray um, some kind of credibility mm-hmm. through absolute half truths, mm-hmm. through exaggerations, uh, through insinuations. Mm-hmm. You know, those those people for me. Um, are the most dangerous people in martial arts not for not for the cool guy reasons that you'd think right. um, they are dangerous to um, to students. they're dangerous to your health if you if you yeah. train with those guys um, and unfortunately some of those guys have managed to get very well known in martial arts now and have quite a quite a big global following right. from people who bought into that you know right 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 Snake no. oil salesman, well yeah it. actually actually um, yeah in, in academia, there's, you know, it's plagiarism. Um, but, I mean, it's, yeah, I know that sure. sounds silly, you know, oh, lit person talking about plagiarism, but it's really, really a threat because the only way that you have any kind of sense of legitimacy in your field is that you're, you're thinking of something new or different or exciting, you know, something exciting. And so if you're, if you're passing off what you have, I mean, this is not, this does not exactly track on, but what I'm saying is, it's, it happens across fields, across disciplines, which to me is always a really strong yeah. indicator of something being a big problem. So, for example, yeah. there was a there was I'm, I'm not going to name names, you know, but but there was somebody in my uh, in my department when I was doing my, my uh, graduate work who um, who decided that he wanted to do Renaissance studies and that he was going to call it the ruin assance because you know it was about ruins oh, and and you know one of the one of the advisors came to me and you know and kind of laughing behind her hand she's she's saying he's calling it the ruin assance and you know what the worst part of that is it's not only terrible but it's from the cambridge companion to renaissance humanism you know <laughs> and so that's 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 awful and the only thing that's worse is that he got his phd well there you go <laughs> well, <when> you <laughs> so, so 
you know, when, so, when, it, when it comes to standards, Andy, I mean, we, we've just gone through the third iteration of the, the rapid harness syllabus. You know, what, what were like the drivers behind that? You know, how, how how does this system keep the standards high and not be like some of the ones we've just discussed? Yeah, so you know, the, um, even even rapid harness is not exempt from any of the criticisms um, that I've that I've brought up. Um, and you know, as soon as I was able to, uh, as soon as I uh, reached the position where I was senior enough. Um, you know, where I had some some insight, um, I started giving um, my two cents to uh, to Pat and Pat to his credit. Well, how did Pat take that when you so so you were that cocky young kid years earlier, right? And then you worked your way up through the ranks. Obviously, you earned his respect and dedication <laughs> through taking the ass whoopings and so on and so forth. You had to do. Now you finally okay. Today's the day. I'm going to go up to, to Pat and say, <laughs> I think this sucks. <laughs> how did that fly? <laughs> Do you know? Do you know what, Jim? Yes. I've, I've got to say, right? Pat can be an absolute asshole at times. Ah. Can, <laughs> he's he's hot headed. I was watching video with him. I don't know. He said you were an don't, angel. Don't look so. at his Facebook profile. It will just it will just appall you. Right. Um, and you know what? Sometimes, especially especially when it comes to certain types of discussion, he's he's like a dog with a bone. Right. Um, he just he just does not let go. Right. Um, in my opinion, should only be allowed near a keyboard. Uh, for for writing articles, you should and, not be right. allowed to have a not Facebook been drinking, right? um, <laughs> So, do you remember the first time you decided to say something to him, or yeah, bring see, this up? Well, the thing is, right? Pat has always been very open, funnily yeah. enough, to to criticism of his own material, um, and actually. Um, he is the kind of guy who, if you pointed out there was something not quite right or something not quite consistent about what he was saying or doing or, or delivering, he would actually change it immediately. Um, you know, obviously he'd, he'd sit down, he'd think about it, he'd think about, well, okay, do they have a point? Is there is there a better way of doing things? And he changed it immediately. But also, Pat preemptively he preempts that by inviting people to contribute to begin with. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if you are a yellow belt in Rapid Honest, the, the first grade in Rapid Honest, if you turn around and you said, um, to be honest, I'm not really quite sure why this is in there. Yeah. You know, why, why is that the case? And and if you couldn't explain that to them, if you couldn't say why that particular drill or technique was was applicable or unique in any, in any way, why it should be there, actually, you'd have to take a damn hard look at yourself and about the, and, and the material that you were, you were offering. So everybody's point of view gets listened to in rapid honest and obviously some people's point of view carries more weight than others of because yeah. of you know because of their level of ability or or, or um you know or experience you know well you know it's you, interesting this it's a paradox between the more um secure and legitimate you are the more comfortable one it just seems in my experience um that the, the more secure or legitimate and authentic and masterful and mass you know a master of something is the more open they are to having it critiqued or, or oh, open absolutely. to changing it. So, so, so uh, do you agree? Here's a question. So the that term question, I have a question. Oh, no, that was, I said that was, Oh, that was, Oh, well. no, go, go. I'm, look, I'm, I'm inscrutable in my questions. Go, go. I'm, Just go. I'm not feeling well and I'm trying to deal with this nonsense. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. You know, great Google. I was vomiting, and Tom said, "Jim, you've got to get to work. Okay. Our public oh, demands it." Hey, do you about, have to be, after vomiting and who knows what else was doing? Okay, sir. So, oh, Sandra anyway, Bernhardt, go ahead. Thank you. Actually, so when you when you when you do, you guys ever sit down? Like the, the term for you know who Napoleon Hill is? I assume you do. Or think and grow rich. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Book, yeah, well, yeah, so, so he t- there's a, a term he coined, uh, a phrase he coined called the mastermind group. 
and the thought behind yeah. that is that you get it together in cooperation with a variety of your peers to, for the greater good of whatever and try to honestly work thing, things out. So, Because I, I do it in my head. I'll pull someone along and I say, and I say hey, I'm thinking about this. So, and, and it might be a thought. I might have saw something or recognized something or whatever. I, I came up with something in my, my brain. I, I want to try to work through this process. I don't know where it's going, but we just sit down and get on the mat, do whatever we're going to do, and we'll kind of work it out. So that would be like a small little thing. Do you guys ever sit down and work on material like this or thought, hey, Pat, I was thinking about this. What do you think about this? And then honestly look at that and say, that's something we can use or, or, or that's bullshit. Yeah, you know, we um, we actually we actually do that every uh, every year. We have a uh, we have a annual camp. It's three days long, and uh, we actually get together, and all of the senior black belts are invited to sit down, discuss the syllabus, things that they do like, things that they don't like, um, things that they're you know they still they still have a lot of questions about, um, and and obviously our, our syllabus covers such a wide um, spectrum of material. Um, there is always going to be improvements that we can make or always. questions that we can ask uh, to, to, you know, to develop it further. Um, and also I think, you know, this, this was, again, this was something that, um, that I, I put together. I'm very proud of um, in um, trying to create uh, more resources and more uh, opportunity for guys within the system to discuss and develop um, ideas and, uh, and and troubleshoot those queries, um, yeah, I, th- I think that you know it is, it is something that we that we regularly do. Unfortunately, sometimes um, other people obviously they have priorities and so on. So you do have to actively motivate people right. to yeah. take part in things, and you also have to actively motivate people to be ruthless in their criticism as well because of course people don't like to offend other people so that you know they, they may think mm, i'm not really sure about that but you know what it's not it's not hurting anyone leaving it in the syllabus so let's just leave right. it in there yeah um, I, I think there's i think sometimes it, there, there's bits where say for example if you'd for your black belt if you had to learn a certain technique and then the new generation don't because it isn't seen as relevant or anymore those are those people who maybe done it in the past might feel like that they're tied to that technique like you should have to learn learn it as well and I, I think one of the great things about the honest stuff is you are encouraged to go away do training Explore, in other right. systems with other people and and bring stuff back to the system it's not sort of restrictive in in, in much the same way as all the primal stuff is jim right it's not confined it's always growing yeah. ever changing and always trying to improve and then you have to have that honest look at yourself and what you're doing you know i might all of a sudden be someone go shit that looks kind of cool can, yeah, where can I? Where can I? Does this fit into what I'm trying to do, or it doesn't? You have to have that honest look. It's very difficult because a lot of guys will just add a lot of stuff, as you were saying earlier. And there's a ton, a ton of stuff coming in that just ends up being a lot of useless stuff, you know, thrown together, you know, and it doesn't necessarily work out yeah. for any reason. Yeah. You know? yeah. Andy, I want I wanted to ask you about um, you do a lot of work with Mick Coop, who's kind of Hawk's main combatives. Um, man in, but, in, in <laughs> London um, and, and I kind of want to talk about he does a lot of stress testing real stuff and also um, works with you a lot on, on kind of size and strength training and the kind of I guess if you could highlight some of the importance of, of that stuff that you do yes yeah, so it's, it's, it's not so much uh, size and strength training but um, but I do um, I do hire Mick as a uh, as, as a coach um, and you know and once a week he uh, completely beasts me um, in the gym um, and, um, yeah, I mean, you know, there's, 
there's a lot to tell on that side of things. I mean, you know, for me, um, six foot one, I was 118 and a half kilos when I started training this stuff. I've now lost 10 kilos. Um, I've managed to retain uh, my strength, but I'm a lot more mobile, a lot more agile than I was before. Um, and and really, um, what prompted that was, you know, I, I've, you know, I got I got to an age where I thought to myself, I wish I'd done certain things five years ago. And not done this stuff instead. So I wish I'd done these things and my life would be a lot easier now as a result of that. So I thought to myself, well, you know what? What could I do now that would make my life a lot easier in five years, ten years, you know, going going forwards? Um, so, you know, that that was one of the, the one of the questions I asked myself. In terms of being um, strong, physically capable. Um, I would say, you know, and, and again, maybe a martial arts instructor saying this isn't 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 the best thing for the industry, but actually, in the uh, situations that I've been involved in that have involved uh, the use of force, um, I would say that my size and strength has been much more of a defining factor than my knowledge of martial arts. Um, and you know, I, I, I'd say objectively, looking back at my uh, back at my past, I'd say that that is. Um, you know that that was one of the certainly probably the most important uh, important feature. Um, obviously, also my uh, <laughs> you know my propensity for getting stuck in um, was was a big factor. Um, yeah. But um, but yeah, I would, I would say that those those two things are, um, are probably the uh, the biggest um, game changers, if you will, um, mm. in terms of uh, in terms of any any type of use of force, defensive applications, whatever. Um, you know, I, I have been asked in the past by students if some of the techniques that I that I teach and do in class have made an appearance. Um, and uh, in fact, one of the last ones, I was I was doing some Filipino hand jive stuff um, in class, and, and Dave, as expected, um, he, he said to me, uh, he said to me, so Andy, have you, have you ever used this? I said, yeah, yeah, I've used this, I've used this once. And he said, oh right, do, you know, because I, I can't really see this working. If I said, yeah, you know, it, it worked pretty well, but just bear in mind that the context was the I was in a it was in a brawl in Malaysia against a guy who was half my size, and I'd just been I'd just gotten into Filipino martial arts as a young man, and I was desperately looking for an excuse to use, to use this technique <laughs> that I'd been working on yeah. just before heading out there. Um, and so I thought, well, you know what, good a time as any. There we go. So yeah, technically used it in a real world context, right. but also could have just punched the guy in the head, sure. and it would have you know it would have done the same Might have job. Done the same thing. Yeah. What, 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 one last question from me. So, so, so over the last uh, over the last year, or in 2017, I did three trips to Eastern Europe with you to do um, my first bit of like kind of I guess serious firearms training. Um, what can martial arts learn from firearms training, and what have you got planned for 2018 on that? No. Well, I mean, this is a, you know, this is actually um, something really that um, that Mick Cook put in uh, in in much better terms. Um, he said that if martial arts training was more like firearms training, then the uh, then the speed of development would be so much higher than it is, mm. and that's because in firearms training you can't fake it. You know, you, you if if you went if you go to the gym and you say to your uh, you come back you say to your mate, oh. Just did a massive session today. I threw uh, I threw 500 punches today, and your mate turned around and went, "Yeah, well, so um, how many of them were good punches?" Well, I don't know. I, right. I, all I know is I threw 500 of them. Mm. Yeah. Firearms training. You you come back from the range. If you said to somebody, "Yeah, 
I just shot 500 rounds. Oh, did you hit anything? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That's interesting. You know, so, it, could you so say? You get laughed at. It's a, it's a nonsense thing to say. Um, so, so actually, firearms training is uh, is very relevant. I think uh, to to martial arts training. First of all, it's it's absolute. You either put a hole in the target or you don't put a hole in the target. Right. Yeah? Um, secondly, it is it is usually I say usually um, firearms industry is going through its own kind of uh, tourist type issues. Um, but in general, the firearms industry has a much more kind of uh, layered, uh, progressional approach to uh, to training. So there's no point in me learning uh, kind of room-to-room tactics if I can't Shoot put a hole target, where yeah. I put the hole from you know from from ten meters away. So do you, you think know? do you think that the kind of pragmatic, practical application element that is so much more salient in um, in gun training? Do you think that that augments that to um to an ideal like you know how how like you know we've been talking a lot about the fantasy kind of poisoning or or the commercial reality kind of compromising with martial arts so i'm saying in this case would you say that the pragmatic the real world application actually augments enhances or brings a kind of more artistic or you know makes makes gun make makes the better it brings the better angel out i see what you're getting for sure um yeah i'm not talking about legality i'm just yeah yeah. the thing is with today i was see i've thought about this a lot i thought i thought is it that guys who um guys who carry guns and train with guns um have that much more pragmatism than than the average martial artist what's what's the defining feature and i would say genuinely my my opinion on this is that it all comes down to budget all comes down to budget. <laughs> when you go on, you go on firearms, like for, for me and Tom, if, if we go out and we do a weekend of firearms training, we are spending at least 700 quid, 800 quid, at least. At yeah, least. That's, that's before we get on the beers. Then it's all over a thousand. You know, you've, got, you've got flights, accommodation, <laughs> right. ammo costs, weapon hire, instructor fees, range fees, everything. It is expensive yeah, to no go and do firearms training for a weekend. So every pull of the trigger you are firing money right. down the range yeah? <laughs> bam I mean, there goes another buck I'm, 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 I'm half chinese so it's especially painful for me yeah. <laughs> you know every time i pull the trigger that's that's like bang another euro gone another down euro. i well be firing pound coins right the range so so, on so that, chris rock said on one of his comedies he goes you should make uh bullets five thousand dollars each because yeah. then everyone would be like wow that guy got shot three times he must have really done something bad <laughs> <laughs> well it's kind of like having the high bar for your classes right that right. that kind it's, of exclusivity not only not only perpetuates an ideal but it also has a little commercial benefit right. you know it's so true if, if you only if you only had 500 punches to reach a certain standard right. and there was a negative penalty it could mm-hmm. be a physical penalty, financial penalty. Um, I could kidnap your dog. I don't know, whatever. Okay. But if there was some kind of negative reinforcement to not reaching that target and you only had a specific amount of resources available to you to reach that target, how much would your performance, how much would your use of those resources increase and i would say quite a lot absolutely yeah. awesome hey uh we got to kind of get ready to wrap this up tom did you have anything you wanted to ask before uh, we, uh, no, no, no just, just a few exciting shows coming up john potenza catch wrestling coach next week tim yeah. tackett from the jkd world the week after yeah. 
um, snake blocker in, uh, who's a knife expert in, in February. So, <laughs> yeah. so lots to look forward to. Yeah, we got to look, we got a lot coming up. Um, Andy, thank you so much for taking the time to come on to Primal Raid. It was a real honor to, to, to speak with you today. I apologize for being under the weather. It will never happen again. It was a fun. See that it doesn't. See that it doesn't. Despite it, I did, look, I came in, I, I let, you know, I let these guys talk probably way too much. But, uh, yes. but anyway, look, it was great. <laughs> it was real good, man. You're real interesting. You had a lot of good things. And, look, we just scratched the surface. So please, you know, come on the show again. And hopefully when I'm over there sometime, I, I'll get to get to hang and train with you. Um, guys, um, it's been another great show. We got uh, a bunch of stuff coming up. He says, remember this weekend. Uh, we have Primal Fight Night uh, along with NFF Promotions and the WBF. 19, 18, uh, 20 amateur fights. Uh, my boy Scraps uh, defending his title. Uh, April 28th, I have uh, Primal MMA Fight Night at the gym. Uh, we'll be in Belgium, shit, March 17th and 18th. I think I'll be there the 15th, something like that, whatever it is. Tom, you're going, right? So. Of course, right. yeah, bunch yeah, can't of, wait. Bunch I'll try of, and get Andy to come as well. well that would be wonderful. Look, it's it's a crazy weekend always in Belgium, so we always have a really good time. Crazy weekends, Jim. Yeah, crazy. Right, and then uh, oh, it's always always a good time. Um, you can hear us every week, nine p.m. Uh, UK time, nine p.m. New York time on HamiltonRadio.net. We can also be heard on Spreaker, iHeart, iTunes, Sonos, YouTube. SoundCloud, Amazon Alexa, and more to come, by the way, that has not been disclosed yet. All right, guys. Uh, we have a, have a good weekend, guys. I'll get, get healthy, hopefully. <laughs> Lots of vitamin <laughs> C and monster energy. All right, everybody. Peace out. You have been listening to Primal Radio in association with Primal Gym and Primal Promotions. Primal Radio is available on all good podcast venues. To help us grow, please subscribe, like it, share it, and leave us a great review.